I think it, I think you're capturing a unique perspective that we we here in the West need to hear more. You know. Yes, I think... there's a lot happening in Africa. We 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 oh well we all have the stars and the what do you call the moon and the sand, but there's a lot of, uh, of knowledge in Africa. Our future in space, brought to you by Above Space Development Corporation, with your host Dr. Jeff Greenblatt and Eric Ward. Hello and welcome to Our Future in Space. Have you ever thought about what people from cultures other than those with the big space programs like the United States, Europe, Japan, and elsewhere think about their role in the future of space? Well, today I'm very pleased to have a guest, uh, Bob Kahara, who is a Kenyan poet and space enthusiast who is going to be talking to us about Africa's views on their role in the future of space. Bob, welcome to our program. Thank you for being here. Okay, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, thank you. It's a real honor. Uh, I, okay. I've, I've been enjoying our conversations leading up to this, you know, uh, yes. uh, getting to know you. And I think for our viewers, I would like to start with the simple question of how did you uh, get connected to our company? How did you meet our CEO, Rhonda Stevenson, uh, several weeks ago? If you can tell that story. Yes, my story begins uh, uh, around some time last year. Uh, one evening, I was watching television, and uh, here comes a news item about uh, from, about an interview between the journalist and Dr. Mai Jemison, the first African American woman of color to go into space. And uh, space has always been an idea or area of my life, or area of life that I feel attracted to, curious about. And when they mentioned that the, there'll be a, con a nexus event in Nairobi called Nairobi Nexus. Uh, by the 100-year Starship, which is an initiative led by Dr. Jemison about planning for human humankind to travel to the stars in 100 years' time. So all that gave me an exciting perspective, and I thought, I want to be part of this group. So uh, I registered for the, for the event in Nairobi, which was held in end of January to early February. And that is where I, as we... As we, there were many presenters uh, where R Rhonda Stevenson happened to be one of them. Uh, I found her engaging and also inspiring in, in while commenting about things to do with space and the economic use of space and the moral and value system that maybe should be integrated in whatever was being done into space. So what happened after a few presentations, one day I was sitting with a friend of mine called, a friend whom I met during the, what do you call it, the event, called Charles Jemison. And we we would sit next to each other uh, and we he would be we would be whispering to each other and talking occasionally. So as we were talking one day, uh, Rondo came to say hello to Charlie and I was there. And uh, I, when I introduced myself, because on the name tags we have, uh, people have their names and the organizations. So mm -hmm. when... Uh, Rhonda came to say hello to Charlie and talk to other people there, and I introduced myself. I said, I'm just a poet. Because when <laughs> registering for this event, uh, they would ask you whether there's an organization you belong to or what you do. And I looked at what I am, uh, what I feel most comfortable about, and it's, 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 I felt I'm just a poet. So I told Rhonda, I'm just a poet. <laughs> and uh, as, we, as we talked, uh, she asked me, uh, can you make somebody cry? And I told her, 
well, maybe if, if, if it's out of grief or out of happiness, maybe I can make somebody, uh, somebody cry. So I told her I'm a poet and I write about many things. So I, I think either she or I asked her for the, her card and I told her I would share my poetry with her. So during the sessions, as they were going on, it's a day before the end of the conference, I was seated in one session and I felt I'm really inspired by what these people keep talking about, bringing us together and uniting us and being together, whether you're from different races or countries or continents. So I happened to write a poem and I shared it with, uh, with uh, Rhonda. And she told me she liked it. And I also, before the event actually I had shared the poem, with the organizers, but I think it was rather long or they had not planned for it. But in between, I actually went back to the organizers and told them, I have this poem that I would like to share with you people. Uh, can you spare me some time? Uh, so we agreed that maybe it was a bit long and I had to edit it. So it's something <laughs> which I'd written. I'd written it uh, mm-hmm. on, uh, on, on a notebook. Yeah, that's what I'd written my first draft. Mm-hmm. And then I had kind of tried, typed it into, uh, into on my on my on my phone, and then she told me try and shorten it. So I went through quickly, quite quickly, shortening. You know, sometimes when you write a poem, the uh, there can be a repetition of style, a style of repetition, or some things you say them more than once, so you don't yeah. do that. So I went quickly and uh, and uh, and uh, finish, uh, edited it out. So mm-hmm. after some time, uh, I was given the opportunity, I think the day before, either the day we were leaving or the day before, and I presented my poem and it was warmly received. And Rhonda told me she loved it. So I, for a poet, uh, when somebody says they appreciate what you're doing, you re- it's a really uh, it's really something that goes to the heart. And she told me she'd, she would share the poem with somebody. I think it's maybe you. I didn't, it didn't I think it was me. You. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we engaged with communication with, with Rhonda, and out of that, it's been going to and fro. You, she introduced me to you. I realized, oh, Jeff is already very knowledgeable about these things. So maybe he's the one who is handling the the. I, I also told Rhonda somewhere along the line that I had gone to their web to the Obito Assembly website, mm-hmm. and uh, the and she, I think she had mentioned about uh, this. What do you call it? The space. Our future in space, and yes, our future yes. in space. That's what I wanted. Yes. Mm-hmm. So she told me there are these podcasts. So I started going through the website of Obito Assembly, and I found it quite interesting. Even now, I still go down the line and I look at what people are saying, and I thought, oh well. Uh, Rhonda encouraged me that maybe I should get in touch with somebody, most likely Jeff, and I would be able to talk to him. And so this is a culmination of a to and fro with Rhonda, uh, who has been very helpful and supportive. And also with you giving me what the issues are. So that's how I came. I ended up being now on Obito Assembly. And uh, till recently, you're now above space development. So I've been yes. keeping track of you people. <laughs> and I found it's an interesting concept, buildings, habitats in space and exploration, making it closer to us. So for me, this was, uh, what do we call it? I would say this was one contact that I really valued from the conference, mm-hmm. even amid other people whom I met there. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'm yes. so glad that you felt it was a it was a strong connection. I, I know that Rhonda yeah, spoke no, no, very. No, no. Yes, yeah. I didn't have second thoughts. Once mm. I saw what Rhonda was doing and you people, I thought I want to be part of this initiative. Mm. Oh, that's great. Yes. Well, I'm so glad that you're here, Bob. And oh, I thank you. And I definitely want you to read uh, that poem or another poem uh, on air in a little while, uh, so that you can okay. share share with everybody uh, a little bit of that flavor. 
of, uh, yes. of how you saw things coming together at this conference, right? And so yes. may, may, maybe yes. now you could tell me a little bit about, so um, just a word about what this conference was, but then I'd like you to step back and talk about what has been your interest in space and poetry and sort of how did you get from your, you know, your beginnings to this conference? Okay. Uh, you can walk okay. through a few of the highlights. Okay. Uh, okay, basically the conference, it was called Nexus Nairobi. Mm -hmm. they, it's, it was organized by the 100-year starship led by Dr. Mai Jemison, who I told you was the Af first African-American woman of color to go into space on the space shuttle. So it's, it, this was the 10th year since it was sent, set, set up. And I think I read somewhere along the line, it was set up in collaboration with the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency in the U.S., I think mm -hmm. that's an uh, that's an arm that uh, handles such issues of innovation. It's trying to envisage a hundred years in a hundred years time whether we can send humankind to the stars or engage inter in interstellar travel. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's uh, it's nothing is impossible because if you look at the journey we've taken in knowledge in the past hundred years, there have been leaps and bounds and lots happened, and uh, and I remember maybe. The quote of uh, John F. Kennedy, the president of the United States, when he was kind of setting the agenda of going to the moon in 10 years, he said that the one doing it, not because it's easy, but because it's hard. So uh, in terms of that, I put each generation of explorers has its context. And I saw, but it builds on each of the people in the past. So I mm -hmm. thought if we can go 100 years past and now we go, we plan for 100 years to the next. Maybe we'll have capabilities that will be very way beyond our current thinking, but not beyond our vision. So right. that is what sparked, uh, what sparked me about the 100-year Starship Initiative by Dr. Jamison. So mm -hmm. this initiative at Nairobi brought together more people than I thought. There were Africans and Kenyans, and there mm -hmm. were also Americans and people, black and white races, some from Asia, some from uh, Europe, some from uh, America. So that is a context in which there were all kind of varied discussions. It was a very interesting, maybe on the website, they do still have uh, their theme of when space, uh, when space, wisdom and culture collide or something like that. So they ha it had a good theme. Mm -hmm. And the theme was of getting, getting people together to get their act and uh, look forward into a hundred years time. And I thought, even this in this hundred years to come, if Af Africa needs to be there, not in a hundred years time, but we need to be there at this time. So that was the general context. There are different speakers, some physically present, some virtually present. Mm -hmm. Wow, I really yes. like what you said. So thank you for that context, and it's such thank an inspiration. You. Dr. Jemison's, uh, you know, uh, uh, organization is really yes. inspiring, and I think one yes. of the one of the furthest looking, you know, out there thinking about taking yes, yes, the stars. Yes, because yes. it's certainly not what we're doing today. We're just trying to yes. get people off the planet and a little further than the moon, I think, is the nearer term. Thing. Yes. That, it's a yes, broad, and, broad, yes, and broad I still agenda. Think, Go ahead. Yes, and I still, I still think we are still in the kind of, what how would I call it? We are still in the initial stages of space exploration, notwithstanding the major strides we've made uh, since the first, uh, put a uh, satellite went to space by uh, in the 60s or just before then. So mm -hmm. I think what lies ahead, uh, I think there's something about freedom, choice, opportunity, 
and potential that space brings to us. We may not connect it directly, but it's there in our everyday lives. From, uh, from the tools that we use for communication, from uh, things like transport, uh, uh, data uh, in terms of uh, monitoring of weather. There's so many things, and even mobile telephony. Every day that somebody wakes up in Africa or the whole world, I think there's an element of space or knowledge that is derived from space or, or kind of infrastructure or architecture that they are thriving off. So I think, but what if we can be, if as we say that we are about, we're going to 7 billion people on Earth. And if Earth, or just a single Earth on it, we can have opportunity. I imagine that if we can manage to galvanize the opportunities in space, the freedom, the choice, and all other things that can change our lives, if we can make them part of us, then we'll be a better people, a more knowledgeable people, and hopefully a more peaceful people. Mm -hmm. I certainly share that vision. And I, I really love that, you know, that you're thinking from this perspective of how everybody can play a role, how it touches our yes. lives. Yes. And I think, you know, so, so let me ask you a follow-up question, which is, um, okay. so it takes a lot of money to go to space right now. That is starting yes, to change. True. You know, the cost of yes. getting, uh, both people and equipment into orbit is is starting to drop quite dramatically. Okay. We've seen yes. hats come down in price so much so that now a high school can raise money to build an instrument that will fly, you know, in orbit. Yes, that's true. And that's true. And we're seeing a tremendous reduction in launch costs that will eventually make it possible for humans to be able to go to space at a fraction of the cost that it costs now. Yes. My yes. question, though, is it still takes a lot of money to have a research program to, to build spacecraft components to develop a knowledge base. Yes, that's true. And that's so true. Without, um, you know, without saying that it's not possible, what does okay. a country that doesn't have the resources of, of a wealthy country like the United States do in order to get into the space game, as it were? What, what you're seeing is really exciting that's happening in Africa mm -hmm. and other places. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about some developments? Yes. So I think what's happening, what we can say is that uh, what Africa may lack in resources to build uh, spacecraft or rockets to go into space, it's got a great potential of its people in terms of their intellect and knowledge. So whereas uh, the others can develop, uh, can be, we, we, we can piggyback on what these big uh, and more stronger economies are doing in space. But on our part, we need to enhance the knowledge base so that if we can't uh, be part of it through the rockets, we can be part of it through sharing of knowledge. Some Africans today, are, or people of African descent, are playing a role in the in space initiative in the US and elsewhere. And mm -hmm. I believe even in Africa itself, what we can do is to ensure right from childhood, maybe to university, that we give opportunity for young people to get the knowledge that will shape their relationship to space in a better way. And if they have this knowledge, they can integrate themselves into the activities of others, hoping that also in due course, Africa's resources will be exploited in, a, in, a, in such a way that they'll be able to give more, more impact to their economies, that where the world will need Africa participation beyond the brains, we might be able to do so if not in uh, a few years, but within those 100 years, 
uh, that we are looking forward to in terms of space. Mm -hmm. So I would say that uh, I don't know how to give an example. Just like uh, just yesterday or today in the news, there was news about the Kenya Space Agency. Mm. Uh, what it's doing is it's uh, launching uh, a satellite designed by Kenyan engineers in collaboration with other people. Mm -hmm. And guess what they're doing? It's going to be launched in Vandenberg uh, Base in California. And uh, it will be carried by SpaceX. So mm -hmm. they are calling it the first operational satellite uh, uh, by Kenya to go into space. It will, be able, it will be useful maybe for a period of three years from July, I think, when, uh, when it will start being operational. Okay. It will do things with natural resource management, that, uh, disaster response management, environmental monitoring, food security, and agriculture. So mm -hmm. uh, I think the good thing with uh, what is happening, even if the space agency in Kenya is in its initial stages, just like elsewhere in Africa, what they're doing, they're very much aware of where they are in this game or, or in this issue of space exploration and habitats. So even if there is even with relatively minor resources, they're able to do what I believe Africans will do best, make sure their knowledge collaborates with the opportunity of architecture and infrastructure of space. So I think that's a, a good initiative. And also, I would like to say about 13 or so African countries have space agencies. And the yeah. African Union, which is just comparable to the European Union, has initiated a statutes on creation of an African space agency. So I think where Africa will fit in mostly in whatever is happening, it's in terms of uh, giving their ideas and make sure they are uh, accepted, they collaborate with others, and others also uh, manage to give them the knowledge and opportunities that they need to be part of this new global movement for mm -hmm. space exploration. Yeah, I mean, what I'm hearing is they're doing it themselves. They're organized. They're self-organizing. They're actually building yes. satellites, and that's they're, true. They're they're believing in themselves as something that can. Yes, be done. They, do. they do. You know, yes, you, they don't, do. you don't have to build your own Saturn V rockets in order to be a space that's agency true. in a space bearing yes, yes. you know country. Yes. So so we have the knowledge base. Uh, mm -hmm. Education is something that is taken very seriously in Africa. Give or give or take the resources are not enough for the populations, but it's uh, it's something that Africa knows. Africa values knowledge, and that knowledge, if tailored, could fit in into the aspirations of the world in terms of giving an input into what Africa needs, so that it can plant a good seed. Right, yes. and it sounds like it's they're not waiting for a seat to be given at the table. So no, 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 they're 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 doing it. They're they're availing yes, themselves yes, of whatever. Yes. yes. Yes, um, they're doing so. And I, I wanted you to also share with our listeners, um, um, you you were telling me before we started recording that uh, the attitude of a lot of young Africans is very positive and forward-looking right yes. now. Can you tell us a little That's bit more true. about kind of what that feeling is these days? Yes. Well, they say that uh, about 70% of Africa is young people below the age of 30. Mm -hmm. They are well aware they're on digital media. They're on TikTok, they're on uh, YouTube, they're on mm -hmm. Instagram, they're on WhatsApp. So in that uh, whole conundrum of things, they are part and parcel. Sometimes they are uh, they're more impatient than the older people because <laughs> they can see opportunities in their lifetime and they want to be part of this engagement. So uh, 
for these young people engaging, uh, I believe, in terms of collaboration, collaboration and in sharing of information is something they feel that it should not only be at face value, but it should make a difference in their lives. And that is where we feel that if we can connect what opportunity space comes with to their aspirations, that will motivate them more. Already we talk about in countries about business process outsourcing for those who are in business and all that. And it's the same, uh, it's the same infrastructure that can be used to reach out to these people, engage them in initiatives. If, mm. they, if it requires their participation, they can participate in their own way. And I believe uh, just like you have the boys and girls clubs and scouts clubs and all that, I feel that for young people growing in Africa or maybe even elsewhere in developing countries, it might be worth thinking of promoting this knowledge of space into clubs where they can become, uh, they can reach out to others in America, they can reach out among themselves, mm. so that even when they are leaving school at a young age or uh, a, a, a bit in their teen years, then we can be able, they can be already sensitized and shaped to the opportunities that they can gain, they can gain from this exploration of space. What it seems to me is the most important is to believe that it's possible to make a difference yes. and participate, yes. right? Yeah. And I, I completely understand, though, that I think being able to make connections between people in Africa with folks yes. in other parts of the world who are doing these kinds yes. of things that they're interested in and have that, that cross-correlation. Yes, yes. yes. I, 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 I think I was seeing on a te television clip uh, uh, yesterday, when uh, this announcement came about the satellite to that is going to space the Kenyan satellite, and there was a gentleman there with the Kenya Space Agency, and what he said was very remarkable. He he said the satellite is like taking a selfie from space, in mm. very simple language. I thought, well, if anybody was wondering what space is about and all this they're sending, well, they're sending something to take a selfie for us to show <laughs> us where where we need to improve maybe right. our tree cover or any other initiative. So uh, yes, we need to make space simple and appreciated by the people who are actually living through it daily, when they make their phone calls, when right. they engage with people with their relatives in the in America and also, and also within the country. So yes, there is a great uh, motivation for the young people. It's not, it only needs to be made live to them. And I always say that the youth in Africa is a bustling, is a, it's 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 a source of energy that is not only beneficial to Africa but to the world. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yes. Well, what that's what we really need is we need inspiration, we need motivation, yes. we need passion. That's true. Right? That's true. And yeah, uh, yeah it's it's a it, we we need to fully um, we need to fully empower people to uh, to follow their dreams wherever they are. And I think that. Yes. You're showing yes. that this is possible even without a lot of external influence helping, right? It's kind of helping yes. by itself. Um, can yes, you I have some. People, I have some people close to me, and because they know I'm always, I'm always uh, interested in things space. Whenever they see something, they'll always tell me, and then I tell them, "Okay, you guys, okay, you're seeing everything on uh, on Netflix and elsewhere, but also read the newspapers because yes. I'm a journalist." But that's uh, right. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. So, yeah. Please, so, actually. Um, they always encourage me and I always encourage them and tell them, yeah, you guys have a lot of information. It's up to you to make sure, make sure where you, you fit in where you belong. Yes. Well, I like what your message of uh, you can be entertained, but you should also know what's actually happening in the real world, right? Because that's yes. what's going to be yes. the most relevant that, to your lives. Yes, yes that's it, true. 
And, and so you mentioned that uh, you're a journalist, so you haven't told the uh, listeners much about your background. Uh, we know you're a poet, but tell us about your journalism career. Well, my, my, I had, uh, well I, I started up to university level in literature, and I specialized at university. I studied uh, literature and English, specializing in education. In other words, uh, my option could have been to go and teach in literature and English, but I knew people who had joined journalism. So hardly a few months after leaving university, I joined a newspaper. And what I did is normally called sub-editing. Uh, not all everything was on computers except the typesetting pace of the, the news. So we would uh, edit by hand. So I did uh, that for about six years, uh, writing headlines, designing how the paper looks, where the photos will go, how long the story will be. And of course, I had an innate interest in space. So if I was editing some pages and there was something about space, I would make sure that I'm maybe I can squeeze it in in the foreign news section of the paper. So I did journalism for six years. Uh, I also, alongside it, uh, did uh, writing um, on population and health, sometimes on the environment, which was also an area, sometimes covering what the UN does. So after and uh, journalism gave me an opportunity to travel. And within those six years, I took leaves uh, of absence from work to study uh, for my postgraduate uh, in mass communication at the university too, and also in, in Kenya, and also studied briefly in Berlin, in uh, Germany at the Institute of Journalism there. All, in all these elements, I found journalism is a very exciting career. It can help you set an agenda, just like poetry does, though poetry can be a bit complicated. So uh, out of this exposure of journalism, I had an innate, I'd always been interested in the UN and its working systems. So when I got the opportunity to join the UN working in Nairobi for specifically UNICEF and supporting operations in Somalia to do with what's uh, helping children and women, I, I took it and I thought, well, I felt as if I was losing a bit of me by going to join the UN and leaving uh, newspaper journalism. But when I went to the UN, I adjusted and I liked the job. Uh, I worked variably between 2000 and uh, between 1996 to around uh, 2001. I was at the UNICEF. I, out of my environmental interest and things environment, I got an opportunity to work in Switzerland for one year with the Worldwide Fund for Nature as a press officer. After that, I resumed back to the UN again and worked for uh, up to 2012, after which I got a break from the UN. And I went into what I considered uh, as a UN retiree I could do best. I had more time for my poetry, my writing, and my following. Uh, my heart in terms of space news. I still remember that, uh, just to give you an insight, I was interested in space even from an early age. Uh, I told you we had encyclopedias at home where I would read about rockets and missiles and space, uh, the, spa the first initiatives of American venturing, America venturing into space. I was able to see, I think, photos of John Glenn so all these, and I was, I kept note of what was happening even when I was young. So there would be eclipses and would be told to carry films like, you know, I don't know the young generation now knows about films, but we used to have films <laughs> in camera. Sure. Yeah. We do. <laughs> so, so, so to watch eclipses, we needed something like that oh. so that our eyes don't get damaged. And hmm. then uh, hmm. in nine, in the, when I was about 11 or 12, 
My father, who had also bought the encyclopedias for us at home uh, in 1966, in the 70s, he bought me what is called a Viewmaster. It had kind of slides mm -hmm. and uh, of the major, what the, the wonders of the world. There were, I remember the hanging gardens of Babylon, and there might have been the pyramids. But what stuck in my mind was a picture of uh, Neil Armstrong with that helmet on his face in the moon. So I really used to like looking at that. So oh <laughs> while I was even studying, I had this innate desire. I would go to, there's a bookshop, which was near where, where we had, uh, my mom had a shop in the town where I grew up. And I would go there and they had, I remember flipping through the chariots of the gods. And then there was something that I, I liked because I, I had a brother who was also very keen on UFOs. There was the high neck UFO report. I still remember it in the 70s, seeing it at that bookshop, and mm. I would be interested. So I had this desire, but as uh, schooling took more of my hours, I was, never, I was never able to exploit that design into a good hobby. So when I joined journalism, I still had about it, and even at the UN, but the goodness of the internet is what kind of brought uh, to for all that I wanted. I could find frequency of information to do with UFOs or unidentified aerial phenomena, as they call it nowadays, mm -hmm. and a lot of space telescopes and all that. One thing was that in the high school that I went, we had a telescope, and there was an astronomy club. Mm -hmm. It was near the house where we stayed, but I was not part of it, but I was always curious about the club, that uh, about the telescope. Uh, many years later, I found maybe the telescope is no longer there, but I've mm -hmm. even talked to somebody in the school uh, trying to link him up with somebody in Australia, also a former student of the same school, about the possibilities of getting a telescope for the school that I went to. Uh, I think that he, the headmaster or principal guaranteed that the teachers would be up to it if we got a telescope. I even looked at places where they sell telescopes. So somewhere in the, along the line, I hope mm. either out of those initiatives or others, maybe the school will be able to get a telescope because there are many in the market today and I think uh, they could be expensive, but not so expensive for an initiative uh, that would maybe engage the boys. And this is where I was also thinking that such initiatives can include the space clubs or astronomy clubs, and they'll be get moving. So mm -hmm. that that uh, I, I had that innate idea of interest in space. But the internet is what brought everything, the possibilities closer home. I could communicate with right. somebody anywhere in the world and they would tell me the same way we discussed with you, this is what the issue is happening and this is the direction they are going. And then I tell them, please, if you can't remember the school, might need a good telescope. So mm -hmm. yes, I mm -hmm. have this background. I I read about, I, I saw E.T., the electro, 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 <laughs> what is it called? extraterrestrial, the movie. Sure. And even, even in school, we saw a movie called Return or Escape from the Planet of the Apes where the kind of portrayed people. I don't know that it was in a lighthearted way about people coming from space. So it was always there. But once I took uh, took leave of full engagement with the UN, I had more time to follow my heart in terms of my poetry, my writing, my communicating, mm -hmm. my, my environmental interest in tree planting and issues to do with space. And now what, what made me really appreciate is when it's like when space calling, space came calling to Africa through the conference that I've told you about. Right. Yes. So that is a bit of my, but I continue to, every, every time you meet somebody, it's a stepping stone. You see different horizons. So all the participants at that initiative, I thought 
this so different horizons on possibilities for Africa and the world to come together and push a common agenda for space exploration. I love it. I love it. I just yeah. love the optimism of a conference like that, where you're bringing people yes. from all yes. over the world. Yes, there's a lot of, yes. And even some people came with their daughters, some came with their young people. And mm -hmm. I thought that was good that mm -hmm. you're making, you know, for young people, they're very, they're very inspired. Where, if we could be inspired by space in an, in an age we did have the interconnectedness today, for them, it's like a fish in water. They'll move mm -hmm. faster than us. They'll see opportunities yeah. faster than us. And they'll see engagement faster than us. Maybe what we'll do, those who are older, is to kind of guide them and show them the opportunities where they need our help. Absolutely. We're more chaperones, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yes, we just yes, let them go good. and take it a new yes. direction. Well, yes. I, so you've mentioned uh, your poetry many times, and I know that that's an important part of your life. I, I'd like to yes. hear a little bit about what draws you to poetry. And then if you can read a poem, you know, for our okay. listeners, that would be a great way to wrap yes. things up, I think. Yes. What, yes. what draws me to poetry is it's, it works on the creative. Good poetry comes out of inspiration. Most of the time, if you get inspired by poetry, uh, by something, you'll write it down. As a poet, you get inspiration daily from happenings, from what you notice, from what you think. So poetry is very engulfing. It helps people to discuss difficult issues, even people who would dislike each other or be antagonistic. Poets can come together with people of divergent views, uh, which may be they're diametrically different from theirs, but they'll still get along. So poet, po poets can teach society about harmony. It can help uh, connect the unconnected. It can help decipher the difficult. And also, as I say, is that simplify complicated issues. So in, right. terms, of, in terms of poetry and journalism, uh, I see them as setting a good agenda for things like space, environmental awareness on climate change. So if well-crafted, the messages of poetry, even if depending on who is targeted, whether it's a broader ad audience or, a, or a, mind, a smaller audience, it can help inspire people to see things at a broader level, what they might be missing out. As I said, when I was at that uh, event, I thought that these people were talking about this, the ability to come together and collaborate. So poetry, poetry and journalism, uh, you can ride on them to focus uh, maybe where you want to go. Uh, and also sometimes download from those who have the knowledge, you can download information to benefit those who might not have the resources or knowledge or ability. Mm -hmm. yes. 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 I don't know whether I put it in context. Oh, no, that's great. I mean, what I, yes. can I just share my, my personal view? Uh, yes. What I love about poetry is I think you said to be able to simplify a complex idea because it, it has to be yes. short. It has to be yes. vivid enough so that people really yes. understand it. And yes. it has to be relational, right? So yes. um, you, you know, the heavy use of metaphor and sort of feeling. That's true. That's true. Yes, you do. poetry and journalism are a reflection of experience. They draw from the community. They show the community things that they may laugh at, but they had not thought about them. So it can poetry can also make you make difficult situations easy to laugh at. It can uh, make people who uh, things yes. seem di difficult simple. So, and also for visionaries in uh, space exploration, we mm -hmm. can tell them they are going to the stars. We can tell them we want to meet uh, intelligent life, and we can ask them what do they think those people look like? Will they be black or white or brown? 
will tall like us or short like us. So poetry can also feature in space because we can give them a vision, then they'll go work the nitty gritty like people and scientists like you will go to the calculations. And I always say where we go, we've reached before the, the our explorers are the spacecraft. Because mm. when we write about where we want to go, we'll tell you all these fancy things about we want to meet people who are different from us, we want to meet alien life, we want to see how the world will settle. And then the people behind the scenes who are the engineers and the technicians will get the, will do the more difficult job. I think that we do the easier job of making <laughs> life. But also so, we do the good, the good job of encouraging them. We encourage people not to give up. We, we encourage them to continue as they would like to be. Being a visionary is not easy. It's, it's, no, it's not. It's, 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 a, it's a big responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big responsibility. And sometimes uh, I think what can happen is that uh, sometimes you can rub the wrong shoulders, but that's part of the creativity. But I think mm-hmm. uh, I look at it like at every inauguration of an every American president, sometimes there's a poet they bring there. There used to be yeah. Maya Angelou, and I think during Biden's inauguration, there was a young poet. So a America values poet, poets. Right. Yes, yeah. they value poets, and even the world values poets. And poets in Africa are also not exactly the way we define it. There are mm. praise singers who would sing in praises of Nelson Mandela. They would praise in uh, good things, and in a tactful way, they can say, criticize uh, what is wrong and hope that those they are targeting will make a change in their lives. In terms of the present and opportunities to come, I hope poetry will continue to engage, to facilitate and encourage the engagement between people of different nations. People who are not not necessarily, people from Africa joining them with the people of the Americas and Europe and Asia or Australia, and to show them that we are even in this globe that we think we're so diverse, we're so disunited. We have a greater role to be united. Once we appreciate how connected we look as a single globe from the out from outer space, we should be encouraged to work together more peacefully so that we make it easier for the world to reap the benefits of knowledge and peace. Yes. 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 You're here. I really like that. Okay. Well, I think this is a great segue into uh reading uh the poem that we had talked about. So would you like to okay. do that? And- okay. Okay. My poem is titled, We Are One People. It's by Bob Kihara, and uh, I composed it uh, in February at the Nexus meeting in Nairobi. (laughs) We are one people. We belong to the earth as well as the stars. We belong to the sun too. I hear you, Chabalala, my friend, from the Southern Africa, speaking of the water from the north and to the south, from the east and to the west. But we are one people, one in the rain, one in the smoke, one in the heat, one in the snow, one people in the desert. We are one in the skies, one people with our children, one people with the old, one people with the young. We are one people who arrived in the stars long before we left the earth. We are one people going home. We will leave our earth together as one, whether white or black or as yellow as the evening sun in the savannah. Together in one starship for the children of the sun, we are one people, clever by mind, passionate by soul, determined to get home way before the sun sets. We will not live divided, and neither shall we arrive divided. But remember, though we live together, our minds are already in the stars. As has always happened to travelers over the ages, 
Our physical bodies will follow the mind. We are one people, one destiny going home. So again, I hear you, my brothers, Chabalala. We're just going back where we belong, different languages, one destiny. But please do remember to follow the common good in harmony with the gods and the stars. And do pay a little homage where necessary. For therein lies peace in the soul. One people, one destiny in the stars. Mm. Thank you. You're okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, could I, I love I love the idea that you weave through this poem about uh, us already traveling to the stars in our minds, and then yes, the second true. time we do it with our yeah. spaceships, right? Yes, and actually I have this belief that maybe we might have communication with alien life mm. or other entities before we actually travel. And it will make it easier maybe mm. for them to get to us or mm. maybe for us to get to them. I always imagine that uh, when you go to visit a stranger, uh, sometimes you are unsure about the way to get where they are. So they can, over a call, they can tell you, you'll take this route, follow this road, then uh, take this diversion. That's what maybe will happen, but in a more sophisticated, sophisticated context of interstellar mm -hmm. travel. Yes. But you see, those are dreams. Those are dreams we have. Eh? Sure. So, also, but who knows? Yeah, maybe in a generation or maybe in the hundred years time, we could have people who will be more knowledgeable to communicate. And communication has, has always had a great impact in society. The, the impact of the information age today is a reflection of a, great, a greater manifestation of what could happen in future. Uh, maybe I, I even care to dream, maybe we could have an intergalactic uh, internet, who knows? Yeah, we didn't have internet. We didn't have internet 100 years ago. Right now, you can I, the way I'm communicating with you or communicating with somebody else across uh, continents. Yeah, uh, it means that we should not feel it strange if at some stage this replication will take a bigger manifestation of complex communication between people in different systems. That's right. Well, I yes, think it's yes. the it's definitely the vision of many, uh, you know, in the space community that we're going to have yes. people living. In different yes. places in the solar system, and they're living and in real, space. Mm -hmm. Living and in space too. Living in space, living on planetary yeah. surfaces, living in orbit, in habitats yes. such as what we're planning to build, and other you know other companies are planning to build. Uh, yes, that will like enable above, us. Like sorry, what that, above space is doing. Yes, exactly. Yes, what you what, what you're doing is a uh, is opening up uh, a center of knowledge and opportunity in space. And once, as I said, once you see that horizon, some people will see beyond you into further horizons. It's true. That's right. Yes, that's that true. would be my that's greatest true. wish is that uh, the yes. people who use use the, uh, you know, the spacecraft that we build actually take it to a purpose that's beyond what we could even imagine. Yes, that's true. That's true. Because you couldn't imagine a uh, hundred years ago of, yeah, there could be some scholars who had that vision. But for the people, they couldn't imagine living in space, right? Yeah, up in the stars. So what may seem challenging today may not be challenging tomorrow, and that's where we need to prepare as Africa to be re to to be ready for tomorrow today, as I as I said. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I yes. really I really hope that we can uh, help to work together to make that a reality because yes, yes, the opportunities that we're providing this world with to be open yes. to everybody. Yes, know? that's true. And yeah, and more, more, and I think the 
we should see Africa's diversity in terms of languages and all that as an asset and its youth uh, as an asset too, not only for Africa, mm -hmm. but for the world. Yeah, and what, whatever good whatever good is done by other continents or even the Americas to Africa, in the same way, whatever good that comes from a strong Africa will benefit the world. So maybe uh, out of uh, another season of time, Africa maybe would play a good role or a leading role in uh, in a, in this era where they have a huge population with good knowledge. Yes. That's right. Yeah. If you give people yeah. who have energy and interest the knowledge yes, to take true. that forward, then that's all. Yes, yes. Really. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I've seen young people with laptops in Africa, somewhere in the countryside, and mm -hmm. I've had they make a progress. They start talking to people in America. They start getting engagement. Some people start paying them to do some work. And that's just a micro microcosm of what can happen at a refined scale once people appreciate that we have good knowledge, we have hardworking people, and we have youth who are willing to act, not in, co in collaboration with other youth and older people in other places. Yeah. Well, I think that's almost a beautiful way to end, I, but I do yes. want to give you an opportunity. Is there anything else that uh, you'd like us to uh, mention before we wrap? No, no, I think we mentioned, and I, I jumped the gun somehow. It's, uh, it's my, I was telling you about my dreams of space in terms of maybe engaging, uh, hoping that, uh, I think it's, you did, uh, uh, what I wanted to say is that if we are able to be a peaceful society in in, uh, in the world, mm -hmm. uh, spending more resources on peace rather than conflict, it will right. have dividends for everybody. Uh, I, when we isolate pockets of instability into pockets of ability, this will have tremendous impact on what comes out of us as a world. You can imagine if we became, if, if peace became our and uh, our, our obsession and culture to do good to each other, to make sure that we support each other, then it can have a good impact. Because I always say that if you go to our neighbors and you find, or a country and you find that uh, not, there's lack of, lack of, or lack of peace, you might be apprehensive. But once you find that there's peace, you even become, you engage and you grow peace to become an asset. So I always like to think willfully that even those who we will engage with, hopefully, they should, they'll be more motivate, motivated to see an earth that is globally conducive to peace and harmony and interaction and collaboration. And us too, we will also be happy to be assured that whatever intelligence that is coming out from out there, these are people who value who have set us certain values that are common with us that which we like so mm -hmm. th uh, that i believe uh, maybe the issue of uh hope, hoping for a better world in which we can all engage and work towards creating uh sustainable sustainable livelihoods where peace is overriding concern yes oh yeah. i share that I very strongly as well I know. Yeah. I think I think it yeah. it begets more of it. You know, when you have when you have peace and you have the uh, ability of a uh, population to really focus on building a future instead of yes, that's true. Prevent, that's a, without you know. without disruption of any kind. Yes, that's yeah. right. I mean, the there will always be natural happen. disruptions anyway. We have enough yeah, challenges true. just living on this planet that's true. together, right? That's true. And that's true. To not give ourselves more problems. Well, that's true. You. Yeah. 
So any last words then before we... Uh, uh, no, no, I look forward to send my regards to Rhonda and uh, maybe a big thank you for the engagement, the linkage that she afforded me to have with the uh, Obito Assembly now above space. So I hope that uh, this is a continuous engagement. I'll still write poems. Once in a while, I'll share with them, not necessarily for publication, but for inspiration, <laughs> if, I'm, if I get inspired. So I, I look forward to... I, I was when I was talking about this encouraging young kids and space clubs and entities. I, I look forward to one day hearing that uh, young people in uh, Nairobi have engaged with young people who may have maybe alerted or been informed by by space uh, by what's above space to engage in collaboration. So I hope that the, our dreams will come true. That's I think my my final parting shot. I pray our dreams come true for Africa and for the world. I love that. I pray yes. with you. Okay, Let's make it you. happen. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, and uh, a bit of prayer helps. A bit of prayer to God. We are religious people. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you very much. Well, thank, thank you, you so thank much, you. Bob. Thank you, really. Thank you, Jen. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, this is uh, uh, always a pleasure to host these programs. Uh, if if you would like to uh, give us suggestions or feedback, maybe other people that you would like us to interview, you can always reach out to us at Our Future in Space, now at abovespace.com, or find us on Twitter at Our Future Space or Facebook at Our Future in Space. And if you like what we're doing at Above Space Development Company and would like to find out ways that you might be able to uh, help us further, feel free to reach out to info at abovespace.com. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Until next time, bye-bye. Okay. This program represents the personal opinions of the hosts and their guests. The content, opinions, and views do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Above Space, nor the organizations with which any of the program participants may be affiliated. The appearance or promotion of this program does not constitute an endorsement by Above Space, nor its affiliate.